In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about all lies all the time. Gory deaths, unlikable characters, and being in cahoots or 37% responsible in our discussion of Go Hunt Me by Kelly DeVos. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Go Hunt Me by Kelly DeVos. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers and vampires. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this, we want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Or watch. Or watch. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, it's weird. (laughs) 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 You've you've got a little something just just, just there. You've got a little something just here. Yeah. Here. A little concealer will be fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. We'll be fine. I'm sure we'll as we fine. do the summary, people will find out we're fine. Yes, and we did not at all get murdered. In the book that we're talking about today. Anywho, background info. (laughs) Background info, yes. I read a pretty interesting interview. Um, This one came from thecleverreader.wordpress.com. And Kelly DeVos was asked, what was your inspiration behind this vampire thriller? And she responds, they always tell writers not to read reviews. But personally, I do read mine. For me, it's helped to improve my writing process. On prior books, I've been dinged by reviewers who don't like my characters and especially brand my girls as unlikable. In Go Hunt Me, I wanted to explore the idea of the unlikable versus the likable female character. I wondered what the interior life is like of a girl who's desperately trying to make others likable. I also wanted to explore the notion of what a vampire looks like in modern times. For Bram Stoker, Dracula symbolized fear of progress, sexuality, and social change. Today, it's interesting to conceive of the one percenters, the entitled people, as society's vampires it's very true it's very true so true and like i like unlikable characters so i'm fine with well i didn't dislike any of the characters in her other books and we all know i went on an obsessive read of her entire catalogue after we read we eat your heart out after eat your heart out yep we know that you have a non-sexual crush on Kelly DeVos. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. It's perfectly legal and above board. Yes, it's totally fine. <laughs> You're looking stunning, by the way. Thank you. 
Thank you. In fact, you should be the star of a horror movie. You know, that's really all I want in life. It doesn't necessarily have to be a movie. I just... Star of horror. Yes, I just want to star horrifically and scare people. That's all. That's all I want. That's all I want in life. It's fine. It's fine. Should we just go ahead and get started? Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, we're going to lose you to your dreams. I know. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. Alex Rush is in St. Constantine Hospital, the only survivor of a tragic event with her friends. They'd heard stories about Castle Prahova, of course. It's the home of Vlad Dracul, the man who inspired a myth. It was Dracula and his legend that drew Alex and her friends to Romania in the first place. Now, as Alex waits for her mother to arrive on the red eye, she reads about the manhunt for director Justin Bloom back in L.A. Suddenly, there's a knock on the hospital room door, and in walks police inspector Anna Skutnik. She has Alex's statement, but needs to hear the story of what happened from the beginning. Oh, well, let's go back 153 days ago. Exterior, Paradise Valley. It's nighttime. Almost Halloween. It's dark and Alex is driving up Mummy Mountain, one of the richest neighbourhoods in Arizona. She's going to her friend Kenna McKee's house to set up for the Halloween party the following night. Oh, she's got schoolwork, college applications and projects and a sick parent all taking up her time. This is the last Halloween before college and it's important to spend it with her friends. The house is pitch black when Alex pulls up. She grabs the antique punch bowl she's loaning to Mrs. McKee for the event and heads to Kenna's section of the estate. None of her friends are there yet, but Alex can see Kenna through the huge windows. She can also see a tall figure with a mask and a sword standing next to the bushes watching Kenna. In fear, Alex drops the punch bowl and tries to call 911, but her hands are slippery with sweat. The figure has spotted Alex and is heading in her direction. Alex runs, falls, and cuts her neck on some cardboard boxes. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 81, short film pitch for Dead Boys Don't Bite. The film is set at a castle from the story of Dracula, covered in a perpetual mist. The story is about a beautiful girl named Lucy and two boys who claim to love her. When she can't choose between them, Lucy starts to see a masked figure and is attacked in the courtyard. 152 days ago. Exterior, McKee Manor. Night, Halloween. Shouts of cut, 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 break the silence and Alex's fear. Standing over Alex is her boyfriend, Jax, who is a gorgeous all-American type with a dash of emo. Behind Jax is their friend Reagan, taking off the mask. Suddenly, there's a buzz of activity as lights come on and Alex's other friends can be seen, as well as cameras, hidden in the bushes with a whiteboard covered in notes for the production of Alex's script, Dead Boys Don't Bite. They were filming her script, which she was also meant 
to be directing. But she's not included? Damn, she is pissed. Jax explains that Alex has been so busy lately that they took the initiative and started production. The short film is also helping their college applications and futures, so they do have a vested interest. Kenna wants to be an A-lister movie star. Regan, a visual effects. Maddie, makeup and design. Carter, sound tech. Hazel, cinematography. And Jax, a producer. Alex tries to be calm, but the overlapping conversations of picking the weapon the Dracula villain should be carrying, the design of the mask and Kenna's Lucy Western motivation should have been discussed already with her in a production meeting. (sighs) Tone down the rage. Dead Boys Don't Bite is the Dracula story from Lucy Westenra's point of view, where Lucy is actually given agency and is an allegory for male domination and society's true monsters. Once Alex provides suitable motivation for Kenna and the others quit babbling about the weapon, filming restarts with Alex in control. Close to midnight, as Kenna is delivering Lucy's monologue, there are loud clanking sounds coming from the empty house next door, where moving trucks are causing the racket. But who's moving in at nearly midnight? That would be Catronelle Bloom, an actress who always knows how to find her light and make an entrance. Oh... General Director for Criminal Investigations, interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alec what she knows about Katrina Bloom. Other than that she was originally from near Castle Prohova, she only knows that what she's read on Twitter about her nasty, nasty divorce. Yeah. Oh. It's icky. 46 days ago. Interior, Rush Family Basement. Day. Valentine's Day. Ooh, some time has passed. It's no longer Halloween. It's Valentine's Day. Alex is in the basement of her family home, sorting out a box of silver items. This used to be their game room until her dad got cancer and they turned it into the premises of Silver Rush, the family's silver selling business. But as the medical bills grew, items with value were sold and loans from family members were agreed upon to keep the Rush family afloat. For Alex and her younger sister Meredith, their futures don't look as bright as they used to because there's no money for them to go to film school or to Juilliard. No time to dwell on that, though. Alex needs to get ready for her date with Jax. And he hates to be late. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 7. Personal Statement by Jackson Flanagan. Jax talks about Quentin Tarantino being his inspiration for being a movie producer. He wants his passion to shine through each frame just like Tarantino. He's not a douchebag at all, we swear. (laughs) 46 days ago, exterior Rush family driveway night. Jax takes Alex to a very expensive restaurant, the kind with valet parking, powder rooms and menus without the price tag. After they sit, Jax asks if they want to do it together tonight, and Alex automatically thinks sex, alas! But 
How would they explain to their very, very Catholic and abstinence-minded families they'd spent the night in a hotel? Uh, oh, wait, no. Jax means they should look at their USC college application notification emails together. Boo. <laughs> that is... That's not what we were excited about, okay? No. Jax is successful. Congratulations. Well, Alex is put on a waiting list. Oh. They submitted the same film, though, didn't they? This doesn't make any sense. Alex goes to the powder room to cry and runs into Katrina Bloom. The actress sympathises with Alex and tells her that her husband got into film school through bribing and nepotism. Alex, on the other hand, is a visionary with talent, so she encourages her to keep going. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks if this is the point the fundraising is organised. Yes, it was. It was a terrible mistake. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ooh. 44 days ago. Interior, Scottsdale School for the Performing Arts. Day. After their history of cinema class, Reagan tells Alex he has a plan. The group gathers and Reagan explains they've set up a GoFundMe and want to finance a reshoot of Alex's film over spring break and submit it to ScreamFest, a local film festival. If it wins, USC will have to take notice. While Reagan also got into USC, a hard pill to swallow, though he is a talented visual effects whiz, he thinks Alex being waitlisted is an injustice and sexist. Hazel didn't get in either and needs this opportunity as much as Alex. The others are happy to help, though Jax is notably silent. Perhaps... He's feeling guilty that his re-edit of Alex's movie got him into college? Or is it something else? General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 14, Bloom C. Statement on Rush McKee GoFundMe. Catronelle Bloom posts a vicious indictment of the misogynistic practices of the film industry from her personal experiences and endorses Alex Rush across her social media. This statement and plea to help talented women helps to boost the GoFundMe donations. Wouldn't that be so cool? Look, we have a lot of author friends on social media. Like, can't something happen and we get lots of funding too? Yes, if we put, put put something begging for money and then they retweet us. No, I don't want to beg for money. I just want people to give us money without us asking for money. Yeah. Join our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> 32 days ago, interior Alex Rush bedroom day. Initially, the GoFundMe was slow, but after Katrina Bloom helped boost the project, Donations flooded, and now they've got a production budget of $36,000. Ooh. Alex and Maddie are discussing scenery in her room when Alex's sister, Meredith, practising for Swan Lake auditions in the backyard, catches Maddie's eye. Maddie goes all cryptic at this point, talking about swans and dodos, and Alex really struggles to understand what she's getting at. As Maddie seems to be confessing something about her family's trip to Wisconsin over Christmas... There is a knock at the door. 
it's Katrina Bloom with an offer they can't refuse. Katrina's cousin in Romania owns Castle Prohova. He is willing to let them film dead boys don't bite for free before it's refurbished into a tourist trap. Katrina will accompany them because she needs to lie low as her divorce is finalised. The GoFundMe donations can pay for the trip and any equipment they might need to acquire. Alex's parents break out of their stunned, oh my goodness, an actual Hollywood starlet is in our living room <laughs> to raise the what fundraiser eyebrows at Alex. Katrina leaves and Alex and Maddie immediately send out group messages and look at Google images of the castle. Then Regan messages to tell them to look at the GoFundMe page. There's been a huge donation made. (gasps) General Directorate for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik questions about Maddie acting oddly and Alex confirms this and admits she only found out what was going on when they reached the castle. Alex also confirms that their GoFundMe received a single half million dollar donation and again didn't find out the truth behind it until much later. By then, it had already been stolen. Oh, no. That sucks. Five days ago. Interior, Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, night. It's ridiculous o'clock in the morning, and Alex is last to be picked up in their minibus for the airport. As she is walking down her drive, Jax and Reagan are having an intense and mysterious conversation. The group heads to the airport to catch their flight to Romania, though Catrinelle isn't with them. Of course, she makes her own way there and flies first class. Kenna also has gotten a seat upgrade thanks to her daddy's air miles. When they land in Romania, they are to catch a hired limo bus to the castle. Outside the airport, they see Catrinelle standing next to a greasy-haired man. While she gets into a limo, he stands on the curb, waiting for them. This is Catrinelle's cousin, Raul Stoika. Before climbing into their car, Kenna stops everyone. Jax tries to interrupt to say something about the computer equipment Catrinelle loaned them, but Kenna won't have it and informs them that all the GoFundMe money is gone. Oh my god. Oh my god. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations. Interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex what she thought of Raul Stoika. Well, it was Catrinelle's cousin, and they wanted to trust him, but there was something off about him. Four days ago, interior Bucharest minibus day. With no other option, they pile into the minibus. While Kenna is raging about the stolen money, Jax and Regan finally reveal what they've been mysteriously talking about. On one of the computers Catrinelle has loaned them, Regan found an email showing that Catrinelle will be checking into a rehab for painkiller addiction in Switzerland and won't be with them at all. Oh, God. (laughs) They promised their parents she would be with them. They'll have them on their first flight home if they find out otherwise. Alex is pissed. Jax and Regan didn't tell them sooner. While Jax is quiet about it, Regan is insistent that they need to get the movie made and Alex into USC. In the meantime, Regan has been trying to see who withdrew the GoFundMe money, but can only see the username The Count nineteen eighty seven. Probably not one of their parents then. 
<laughs> it takes several hours to reach the foothills of Castle Pahova, and the minibus can't go all the way up, so they need to walk through the forest. That is, it's definitely not haunted. Nope. No. Not one bit. No. No. It's de- no. No, it's not haunted at all. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex if she knew anything about Castle Prohova before getting there. She only knew what Google showed them and that it was connected to Vlad the Impaler. (gasps) Four days ago, exterior, Castle Prohova, day. Hauling their stuff was difficult, as the forest surrounding the castle is creepy, thick and dark, and the climb seems nearly vertical. All the way, it seems that Kenna was whispering with Raoul. Up close, Castle Barhova looks as Raoul puts it, under renovation. And it doesn't look at all what Google promised. The beheaded statue of Vlad in the courtyard seems somewhat portentous. It is a bad sign. Inside the wing Raoul has assigned them, it is rich, luxurious, and has electricity. No TV or Wi-Fi, though. Ah, the Ah. real horror of the book. (laughs) Maddie is transfixed by the paintings in the castle. They can't be the real things that were thought to be lost or stolen, could they? It's a castle full of burgled art. This sounds like a really good place to be. While Raoul goes to fetch the cook and housekeeper, the group settles in. They aren't happy with being left alone in a strange country, in a strange castle, at night. Me neither. Yikes. Oh, this is not. Mm. I think we have a cultural divide we will we'll end up talking about here. Mm. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 15. Image of article from the Journal of Romanian Literary Studies. The article talks about Vlad Tepes, otherwise known as Vlad the Impaler, or Vlad Dracul, the inspiration behind Bram Stoker's legendary fictional creation. The article also mentions Stoker secretly traveling to Castle Prahova in 1890. Officer Skutnik notes that the article was planted by Raoul Stoika and is a fake. Stoker did not visit Prahova. Four days ago, interior Castle Prohova, night. The group explores the living room, finding three rusty ceremonial swords and a fourth with a wicked sharp blade. Hazel is examining the map Raoul provided for them. Carter finds an old record player and the rest discuss their situation. In the end, there is little they can do, so they go to pick bedrooms before they'll get some shots in before Raoul comes back. Dithering in the hallway, Alex is unsure if she will be sharing a room with Jax or have her own, but Jax invites her into a room, so that's decided. After they unpack and start to relax, Alex wonders if this is the moment. But then the hear screams echo from the music room. Oh. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 22, Dead Boys Don't Bite, Theatrical Script. Lucy Westerner is talking with the masked man. She tells him how she doesn't want to fit the mould her parents envisioned for her, to be a kept woman at a man's mercy. The masked man suggests that Lucy wants something 
Dangerous. Dangerous. <gasps> oh. Four days ago. Interior, music room, night. The screams are because of a bat. Oh, dang it. <laughs> a tiny little bat that freaked Kenna out. Kenna and Maddie are in the music room getting ready for a shot when Kenna freaks. Her screams bring everyone to them, all except Reagan, who is trying to find a cell signal. On one side of the room is a Celesta, which Carter wants to sample so that it can be included on the movie's audio track. Alex notes that decisions are being made again, and she is not being consulted. As Alex is looking through cupboards, she finds a newspaper clipping with the name Bram Stoker peppered throughout and the phrase Strigoi Mort, or Ghost of Death, so she pockets it. Just as they are about to get started filming, Reagan returns and announces their GoFundMe was hacked, but he sent off an email to the GoFundMe site. After they finish filming, Raul returns and they start to file out to get food. Alex notes the Vlad statue that was outside the music room no longer has its sword, and Maddie warns Alex that Kenna is a swan. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex what Maddie meant by her swan comment, but Alex doesn't know. The officer also asks if Alex knew that Reagan lied about contacting GoFundMe. (gasps) 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 Terrible stuff is happening. It is. Three days ago, interior, second floor hallway, day. With food in their bellies and adults in residence, everything feels normal. And the next day, the shoots go smoothly. When Kenna is needed, she can't be found, though. However, Hazel finds her having an intense conversation with Raoul. The cook and the housekeeper, which literally arrived the night before, have demanded that they leave, and Raoul can't keep them, so will take them home before the storm hits. It doesn't look like Raoul will be coming back, though. Meanwhile, Maddie has been scoping out the paintings and points out that some were stolen by the Nazis and found a bunch of cables that seem to lead nowhere. Hazel thinks the dilapidated appearance of the castle is a cover for gangster activity, especially since she found pictures of Yuri Stalker, a notorious Romanian gangster. As they're talking, Maddie confesses to Alex that over Christmas break in Wisconsin, her father embezzled a lot of his parents' money and the family wants to call the police to investigate him. She needs the GoFundMe money to pay it back and stop her father from going to prison. However, Maddie thinks that Kenna took the money because she's been acting very strange about it. Suddenly, Alex sees a masked figure on the terrace. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Alex confesses that they assumed Yuri was Raoul's father and that she did not know why the staff demanded to leave. She just prayed they would make it through the night. Three days ago, interior music room, night. (sighs) Regrouping, Alex mentions the masked figure, but Maddie didn't see them, and they don't mention it to anyone else. 
The rest of the day is spent arguing, roaming the halls, and debating what to do next. And eventually, everyone goes to bed. Waking up during the night, Alex hears Carter playing the Celesta and sneaks down to video him. However, it isn't Carter. It's a masked figure. Screaming and backing up, Alex runs into the others. No one else saw the figure, but its presence panics the others, and then Maddie runs off blindly down the stairs to the kitchen. Alex follows, calling her name. In the kitchen, the door to the outside is open, and Alex reaches for the handle to steady herself against the strong winds brought by the oncoming storm. As the lights blink out, Alex sees Maddie's blood on her hand. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations. Interview with Alexandra Rush. Alex confirms she was sure it was Maddie's blood and that all she could think about was finding her friend. The inspector asks if she knew what Kenna had been doing up to this point, and Alex confirms she did not. They wouldn't find that out until much later. Two days ago, exterior terrace night. Alex screams for Maddie as the kitchen floods from the storm. Eventually, Jax comes down to collect her. When they tell everyone what has happened, Carter is desperate to find his girlfriend and gets pissed when they prioritise finding light sources and building a fire. After much arguing, it's decided that Kenna and Regan will stay behind. Carter and Hazel will look inside their wing of the castle and Jax and Alex will look outside for Maddie. The storm is raging. They can't see two feet in front of them. The ground is slick with mud and their plastic ponchos offer absolutely no protection. During their search, Jax falls down the stone steps when they see a phantom run across their path. Alex heads down to him and finds Jax seemingly fine. Then she sees Maddie's dead body. <gasps> oh! General Directorate for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks if Alex has any idea who killed Maddie. Regan's theory was that Raoul did it. Alex confirms when they returned, they found out more disturbing things. No quiet night for you! <laughs> no! Two days ago. Interior. Bathhouse. Night. Eventually, Alex and Jax make it back inside, but they're over half an hour later than when they agreed to meet up. No one is in the living area when they get back, but the fire is burning well, though amongst the embers... Jax finds a boarding pass from Phoenix, dated three days ago, but the name is indistinguishable. Alex also notices the wicked-looking sword is gone. Eventually, Reagan returns from having gone to the bathroom, but Kenna isn't with him. She went to get a sweater. They tell Reagan about Maddie before deciding to try to find the others. The boys grab candles, Jax gets one of the rusty swords, and Alex has a flashlight. Heading downstairs, they find the smoking room with a recently smoked cigar and a half-drunk glass of whiskey. Then they go to the bathhouse, but Alex slips and lands in the pool. 
Swimming to the steps, her foot lands on something strange in the water. It's Carter's head. Ooh. <gasps> General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 22, Dead Boys Don't Bite, Theatrical Script. Lucy Westenra monologues about monsters, noting they're everywhere, including in her. <gasps> Two days ago. Interior, the lower floor, night. Regan vomits and Alex has quite a freak out. <laughs> Jax finds Carter's body propped up near a door that leads outside. They decide to lock the door, take the key and head back. Walking through the smoking room, Alex sees that the cigar and drink are gone. In the hallway, they hear a banging and find Hazel locked in a bedroom. Ashtrays wedged under the doorframe to stop it from opening. Hazel said Carter locked her in because he was obsessed with going outside to find Maddie. Then they break the news to Hazel about the two murders. Hazel has something to show them. Mm. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 61, Interpol background on Yuri Stoker. Yuri Stoker committed all his crimes indiscriminately. He was on Interpol's most wanted list. The old officers called him the spirit of misfortune. He was a very, very bad man. <laughs> Two days ago. Interior, the end of the hallway. Night. Hazel shows them a room with electricity where Alex and Maddie saw the cables that seemingly led to nowhere. Their theory is that someone turned the power off deliberately in their area to kill them, and Carter thinks it was Kenna who has been acting suspiciously. Jax shows everyone the boarding pass, and Reagan is hurt that Alex didn't tell him about all this already. They decide to get changed into warm, dry, and less blood-soaked clothes before heading back to the living room and onward to find Kenna. When they get to the living room, Kenna is there, all snuggled up on the sofa reading a book. She claims she went to find Alex and Jax outside when they didn't return on time, which she told Reagan, but he denies. Since everyone alive has been found, and the storm is still raging, they decide to bed down in the living room. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 42, TED Talk by Justin Bloom. Justin Bloom's TED Talk is on horror and filmmaking, in which he says castles are traditionally creepy, as they are often inescapable environments. They may be the home of a monster or a prince, or they may be one and the same. Ooh. Ooh. Two days ago, intercut, sitting room, the garden, day. The storm is over. Once everyone is awake, they make plans for rescue or escape. Alex and Jax will make their way to the main road and hopefully get a cell signal. Regan, Hazel and Kenna will stay behind and hopefully locate a phone in the castle. As Alex and Jax gather supplies for their task, Regan hands Alex a hammer for protection. General Director for Criminal Investigations interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik confirms that Alex and Jax headed to the south of the castle. But who did they intend to call? 
Alex doesn't know. The police? Their parents? Someone? Alex then becomes an audible on the recording. Oh. Two days ago. Exterior, the labyrinth. Day. The forest is creepy. After 20 minutes, Alex and Jax stop for a break, and Jax confesses that he doesn't want to go back home. He wants to stay in Europe and find himself using their share of the GoFundMe money. Jax, who has literally everything, wants to give it all up with money that was stolen. Alex doesn't think this is an appropriate time or place to be having this conversation. Suddenly, the figure of Count Dracula emerges from the trees before dashing off. Jax in pursuit. Alex follows, but she's slower, and eventually hears Jax screaming from inside the hedge maze Vlad had made to honor his wife. Inside... Alex finds Jax hanging from a fountain modeled to look like the castle, with Dracula towering over him. The hammer Reagan gave her in its hands, <gasps> taken from her bag that Jax offered to carry. Dracula brings down the hammer and beats Jax into a pulp. Alex is hidden and stays quiet as her boyfriend is brutally murdered. When Dracula is gone, Alex looks at what is left of Jax. She doesn't know why she picked up the discarded hammer and then drops it into the algae-filled water. <sighs> Everyone think on that for a second. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 98. Kenna McKee, Social Media Post. Kenna is dressed in black holding a Ouija board and monologuing about horror movies, and supposes that maybe monsters are real. Two days ago, interior, the Grand Hall, day. Not really knowing what she should do, Alex makes her way back to the castle. As she's walking through the courtyard, high-pitched screaming comes from the Grand Hall. It's dark inside and used as a storage space with boxes everywhere. Hearing footsteps, Alex whisper calls for Regan and they find each other. Oh, I can imagine it's like <laughs> that's not a subtle shout. Um, can I just tell you that for whatever reason, when you did that, the audio went fucking crazy scary as hell, and you sounded like a demonic robot. So, thanks. Perfect. Everyone gets to piss themselves when you say that. You are welcome. Well, eventually they find each other after demonic robotics uh, shouting at each other. And, <laughs> and then follows Dracula into the hall, as you do. Kenna threw a fit and went back to the castle, and Hazel found something Alex needed to see. Suddenly they hear a noise and turn to see Dracula climbing a stack of boxes toward a window. Regan starts pulling at the boxes until the Dracula loses balance and falls breaking the rotten wooden beam they had been holding onto, which penetrates their chest as the Dracula lands on the ground. Hashtag irony. Edging to the unmoving Dracula, Alex can see them wearing one of Maddie's glass masks. Regan reaches out and pulls it off. <gasps> oh. 
General Director for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 34. Draft email from Kenna McKee to Justin Bloom. Kenna is complaining that Raoul turned off the power. Their cell phones don't work and she doesn't know what to do. Surely he, Justin, knew Katrina's uncle was Yuri Stalker and he owned the castle. Surely. Surely he knew. Don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Two days ago. Exterior, the North Wing. Day. The Dracula was Kenna. And she's dead. On the ground, they notice a handheld camera Kenna has been holding. She's been taping everything. Which explains her odd behavior. They go to meet up with Hazel, who is in an office room with electricity. She's been investigating and found out that there are security cameras all over the grounds and castle. Everything is being recorded. And Kenna knew all about it. And in fact, she's been in cahoots with Justin Bloom to make her own horror movie with Alex being her Lucy Westenra. <sighs> They had also arranged for a crew that would use secret underground tunnels to help film and stage scenes. The cook and the housekeeper were two of them. It seems that Kenna promised to pay them with the GoFundMe money, and when they found out it was gone, they left, and the rest of the crew were held back because of the storm. Also, Kenna had a whole file on Yuri Stoika on her computer with something Alex needs to see. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations. Interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex what she knows about Yuri Stoika and if she knew that he was killed three years ago. (gasps) Alex didn't know much, but she knew that he was in Prahova with them. Was he, though? Was he? This is not a zombie book. Two days ago, interior of the office, day. Leaning closer to the computer screen, Hazel shows Alex and Regan footage of Yuri Stalker in the Prava tunnels using the trap doors. Now they need to make a plan to survive and get help. They decide that they need to fix the satellite, which will get them phones or the internet, but they'll need to reboot the system in the security room, which is unfortunately in the tunnels. Alex doesn't like the plan, but goes along with it. Gathering meagre weapons, including a vodka bottle, a letter opener and a screwdriver set, they set off into the storm to find the satellite. General Director for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 22, Dead Boys Don't Bite Theatrical Script. A Lucy Westerner monologue asks someone in the shadows out of shot if they are terrified of her because she is a woman acting in her own self-interest. <gasps> Fear me, for I am woman. <laughs> Two days ago. Exterior, the roof, day. The storm is raging and eventually the group finds the satellite. Alex helps boost Reagan onto the roof and he tries to fix it. Meanwhile, Hazel has gone quiet and thoughtful. She asks Alex what she thinks happened to the GoFundMe money, but Alex doesn't answer. 
Hazel reaches into her backpack and snatches the vodka bottle out and backs away from Alex, saying she needs to get to the road before running off. Alex chases after Hazel and sees her facing off with Raul in the courtyard. Hazel throws the bottle, but it's old and ineffective. Alex stumbles toward them, and in the struggle, Hazel goes down the courtyard well, and the Vlad statue lands on Raul. He tells Alex she is an evil girl as he dies. Desperate to help Hazel, Alex runs back to Reagan, who is off the roof. He's pissed because he had to jump down and at best has sprained his ankle. Reagan doesn't seem concerned about rescuing Hazel from the well. He wants to reboot the system because Yuri Stoika is there. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations. Interview with Alexandra Rush. Alex asks Inspector Skutnik if they found Hazel, and she confirms they did. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex if Reagan fixed the satellite, and she confirms he did. Then they had to go into the tunnels. Two days ago, interior for tunnel night. Alex and Regan enter the tunnels through the trapdoor and the office Hazel did her investigating in. Regan wants to prevent Yuri from following them by his, this entrance, so sets fire to the room. As you do. As you do. Stumbling in the dark, they find the security room, and Regan goes about rebooting the system. Meanwhile, Alex investigates the space and finds Yuri's merchandise. His merchandise. His merchandise, which is a whole shit ton of drugs. Then she comes back to her best friend. Regan has accessed the security footage and on it, Alex sees Regan and Maddie on the terrace. He killed her? Alex needs to process that later because on the live feed of an outside camera, Yuri can be seen smoking a cigar before turning and coming inside. As the monitor shows system ready, the lights go out. Ah, damn it. General Director for Criminal Investigations, interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik asks Alex if Kenneth's computer was destroyed in the fire, and she says she thinks so. The fire doesn't explain all of Alex's injuries, though. No! <laughs> You've got some splitting to do! Two days ago. Exterior, the loading dock. Night. Regan stands up from the desk, walks over to Alex, and wraps his hands around her neck and squeezes. Alex begs for her life while Regan chokes her and tells her how much he loves her and how he did it all for her. Eventually, Regan snaps out of whatever has overcome him and lets Alex go, confessing that he took the money for Alex to help her get into USC. Then, Yuri Stoika arrives and destroys everything before leaving the way he came. Heading into the now smoke-filled tunnel, Alex and Reagan eventually find the carport. As they head down toward a car, a hand reaches out and pulls Reagan back. A series of horrible cracks and thuds follow, and then Reagan is lying at the base of the stairs, broken. Yuri Stoika's face looms out of the darkness before Alex follows and falls, breaking her arm. Hurt, Alex drags Regan into a car. He's muttering about, why, Alex? And about wanting to see the stars as he dies. 
General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, interview with Alexandra Rush. Inspector Skutnik confirms with Alex that Reagan confessed to stealing the GoFundMe money and killing Maddie. Yes to the money, no to the murder. Skutnik also wants to know Alex's theory why a notorious man like Yuri Stoika would allow Alex to live, but Alex doesn't know, and she suggests Skutnik will just have to ask him. <laughs> it's a bit of a sassy comment. <laughs> I know. What's happening here? 88 days later. Exterior, Phoenix Symphony Hall Day. Alex sneaks into the auditorium to watch her sister Meredith dance. She's beautiful in her new leotard and point shoes. And Alex remarks that she'll kill someone if Meredith is not cast as the sugar plum fairy. Waiting for Meredith outside, Inspector Skutnik approaches Alex because she has more questions to ask, though she's been officially taken off the case. Alex declines and says any questions she'll go through her lawyer. It seems the story of a famous film director luring unsuspecting teens to their deaths by a resurrected crime lord is more interesting than a teenager willing to kill her friends to get a movie deal and half a million dollars. <laughs> Later, at the memorial of for her friends, Alex is approached by Katrina Bloom. Any further evidence of what happened at Castle Prohova has been destroyed and made into art and a fetching pair of earrings. Katrina oh. also makes sure Alex knows who she needs to bribe to get into USC. Damn. General Directorate for Criminal Investigations, Exhibit 22, Dead Boys Don't Bite, Theatrical Script. Lucy Weston monologues about unmasking monsters when it is better to silence them so they cause no further problems. <laughs> 209 days later. Interior, Troy Hall, University of Southern California, night. Sometimes at night, Alex thinks about Castle Prahova. She thinks about Reagan needing a week to convert the GoFundMe money into cryptocurrency so it couldn't be traced. She thinks about shoving the desperate Maddie down the stairs, stealing the sword Jax had picked up and using it to cut off Carter's head, pushing Kenna off the stack of boxes, and sending Hazel down the well. Poor Reagan would have never told anyone what happened as he really did love her. But she couldn't be shackled to him, so down the stairs he went. Then there was Jax, who would have been her Justin Bloom, who she bashed with a hammer. What's done is done, and her story will become the truth. <laughs> oh man damn it was such a good ending well as people absorb that and we mop up all the blood from our vicious brutal deaths messages from other podcasts 
This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. <laughs> well now. Mm. Well now. Mm. Do you remember earlier in the year we read a book that we thought was a little disappointing because all the way through we knew the person was the murderer and we would have liked it from their point of view. Yes. Well, we kind of got it here. I know. I know we did. And the best part is that it was all lies. That's it. You, we, the story we were told is complete and utter fiction. We have absolutely no clue what went on other than very specifically, Jax was murdered by a hammer. Hazel was pushed down a well. Regan um, fell down the stairs. Fell down the stairs. Kenna fell off the boxes. And Carter had his head cut off. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, Raoul was underneath a Vlad themed yeah. statue. Yeah. And did you did you mention Maddie falling down the stairs? Yeah, Maddie falling down the stairs. So we have absolutely no idea what went on, other than that. That's the only That's truth so we've got. And that Regan did the actual theft of the GoFundMe money yeah. for Alex. That's it. The rest of it's just all lies. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, I, did, I did wonder, though, when you started out that sentence um, about when you said being disappointed. And I thought... That you were going to say something, and which I am. I am very disappointed about. Because when we picked up this book, you know, based on, you know, the cover and the fact that it's Dracula all over the place, like, I, I was expecting real vampires. And so I am 100% disappointed that there are no real, you know, blood-sucking vampires. Same, but, same. like, <laughs> but that doesn't count. Like, that's not a real... That's not real disappointment, except for the fact that we love vampires and it's all vampires all the time. But, oh my god. I... This book was not, like, it wasn't at all what I was expecting. And I'm so pleased with how it ended. Yeah. I think the last two entries, when we find when we finally have the real Alex are amazing. Like God, she's such a bitch. Because she's amazing. You, yeah, exactly. She's she's horrible. She is horrible. And before that, she's just this irritating She's an irritating little pushover. Yeah. Just Yeah. It, it just goes all the way back to what you said for the background information when how Kelly DeVos purposely wrote an irritating character. 
Yeah. Oh, hit, hit the nail on the head perfectly there. I, I give zero brackets, zero fucks about Alex. I wished she was going to die all the way through. And the reason I knew she wasn't going to die all the way through is because one, I thought she was the killer. And two, right. it's first person. Right. You can't you can't kill off the first person narrator. That's that's not how stories work. Yeah. Um, um it wasn't too much of a surprise to be fair. That I think I think I messaged you and said, Is Alex the murderer? Tell me Alex the murderer. <laughs> of course you do not respond with anything. Right. Mm. You never give the game yeah. away to each other. We do never, not spoil never. things for each other, Peter Deal. We don't. <laughs> we spoil it all for you then. Yes. And you wouldn't tell me. And all, very, very early on, I was like, yeah, she's she's the murderer. She's a murderer, isn't she? And I, there's a point of frustration because you know what I'm reading is not correct. It's a, it's it's what she's telling the inspector. And then you're like, Does the inspe- is the inspector picking up on this bullshit that I'm smelling? <laughs> yes, she is. Yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. 100%. Mm. so it was very deeply satisfying like you say to have the murderer there yeah so i want to skip ahead to surprises because of what you were just talking about and you said that you knew alex was the killer the whole time which yeah obviously like she cannot just be this little mousy pushover and that that can't be that can't that can't be how the story goes and so you knew that she was the killer see i also knew that she was behind everything but that is it's the end of the story is not what i thought was going to happen i thought that she was doing all of this stuff and secretly filming it and so then she was going to submit all of this to usc and pretend that it was a movie and actually she had murdered all of her friends and just recorded herself doing it that's what i thought was gonna happen so like and you know i knew she was i knew she was behind it all and i knew all this stuff was happening but i thought she was filming it and was going to submit it as uh to her school or to the film fest or whatever i thought that she was filming it to share this movie with others and then it turns out later that oh yeah fuck this is just real and we just witnessed all of these murders i agree with that 100 percent because it's there's like a couple of times during this her story she makes a point of saying that there's security cameras everywhere and when kenna dies she drops a handheld camera so yeah i completely agree with that i thought there was going to be like a like a horror vampire found footage movie submitted to the film festival or to her college application cleverly edited to remove her as the murderer yeah and then you would see her as an actress as a director as an editor doing all of these things and you think oh my gosh she is the best film student we could ever have so we have to have her and she's going to be famous one day and blah 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 all of this stuff because she's got all these skills but that's not what happened no i i agree it was i'd like to see that i would love to watch this movie 
I wish it were real. Yeah. Or, you know, the book made into a movie. Yeah. Also, we'll also watch that 100%. Completely. I don't know if the book could be made into a found footage, though, purely because we know the found footage would be faked. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's the clever editing, isn't it, that would take place to make it seem that way. You know when you get to the end and you realise, like, it is the big reveal that Alex is the killer all along and she did it for the money to get into USC. She did it all. And you're like, well, that means everything that's gone past already is wrong, which means the time scalings of things is completely off. Like, she couldn't have run down into the kitchen chasing after Maddie and then five minutes later Jax comes down and she's had this big fight with Maddie and murdered her and it's like it just I've been lied to for yeah, nearly 300 she, pages I want to actually know what happened yeah Alex is a master storyteller it's almost like you could make two movies out of this. You could make the one of the book, but then you could make the one which is found footage, which is the truth. Yeah, and it's just Alex running around murdering everyone viciously. Yes. Yes. I li- I'd be down I li- for that. I kind of like to think that the cook and the housekeeper got it as well, but because there were minor characters that were killed off screen and never talked about. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that happening. Everyone's dead. Everyone is dead. Absolutely everyone. Yeah. The deaths were wonderfully gory. Oh, they were. Oh, it was so good. Especially the hammer. Oh, Jax's was probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. He was such an asshole, though. God, he was. Oh, I hate that he recut her film to get into school. Like, what a shithead. I want to know how he recut it. Like, what did he do? I will admit, when we do get to the the snippets through the um, criminal investigation exhibit, it's a lot of Lucy Western monologue. So I can imagine it being a bit tedious because it's just one character constantly talking and essentially saying the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine he's recut it to be a bit more actiony because you know it's Quentin Tarantino and Chris Nolan. Right. You know there is there is idols. They don't. They do monologues, especially Tarantino, but it's not a twenty-minute monologue about how, how women being empowered and damn the patriarchy and yeah. It's it's not that. So I am curious to what his recut was. But he was an absolute asshat all the way through. He really was. Like, at the beginning, when they're in Mummy Mountain at Halloween, Alex is like, ooh, Jax, ooh, he's so hot. And she's kind of getting rather horny on Mummy Mountain. <laughs> and then you cut to Valentine's and she's like, eh. I suppose he, he's like the lacrosse captain and he has got yeah. this emo streak in him and he is gorgeous and he is, you know wealthy you can afford this really nice restaurant and and then all of a sudden she's like oh we're going to the castle maybe we'll have sex <gasps> i shouldn't have said it <gasps> my mother will put uh, another pamphlet uh, in my suitcase about abstinence uh, oh. <sighs> she was hot and cold over jacks all the way yeah, through she was. Yeah. and he was 
a little controlling, like he had to be on time and he's a little belittling and I, I don't know if that's the producer in him or just the fact he is an asshole. Yeah. I also wonder, like, why were they together? Yeah. And I know that that was, like, that was mentioned a lot. She's like, oh, why? Why is she with me? Because he's so beautiful. You know, blah, 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 blah. It's a but good seriously, question. What's... Why? I almost feel like he was just in a relationship with her because everyone, like, expects the hot high school guy to be in a relationship with someone. But, like, I wonder if he... That's all he was in it for. Because there was never any, like, you know, passionate teenage making out, whatever. You didn't see that. No, no. But so to I be just fair, like they were from very Catholic, very absent-minded families. So maybe he... No, see, that just means that they're horny all the time and always fucking. But stuff still counts. Just putting it out there. But stuff counts. Um, yeah. I, it, but we've also got to remember, everything we know about Jax is a lie. Yeah, everything that we've ever seen is a lie. We can't believe it. We can't believe or trust any of it. This one would have been a really good one, even though it just recently came out. Would have been a really good one for our um, the unreliable narrator. Uh, the unreliable narrator one. I thought so too. I thought so too. Yeah, the, I found it quite weird how I, we kept, like Alex kept having to say, "Reagan, he's my best friend. Reagan, he's my best friend. My best friend, Reagan." Because they never acted like they were best friends. He acted yeah. like he was infatuated and in love with her, you know, with the yeah. too tight and too long hugs and the desperation that yeah. she also got to USC. But again, this is from her perspective. So it could be true. And I have a feeling it was, considering he was the person who stole the money and turned into cryptocurrency. Yeah, but do you think that she was just, like, stringing him along oh, and she knew that he was obsessed? Completely, like, hey, 100%. why don't you steal that money and turn it into cryptocurrency? And then we can go to USC together. We can go to school together and we can be in a dorm room and it'll be sexy. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then she pushes him down the stairs. And then she pushes him down the stairs. <laughs> why, Alex? <laughs> Because you're a dick, and I do not want to marry you. <laughs> why? All of them. That's how they all ended. Why, why? Alex? Alex, why? Because you're basic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The the gory deaths were my absolute standout moments. Yeah, I know. Me too. I was just about to like go back and talk more about the gory deaths. Did you have do a you favorite? Know- Yes, which that's what I was about to talk to you about. Um, my favorite death was Jax's being hammered, but I also really love the scene in the bathhouse. Yes, with the yes, swimming pool. Yes, yes, yes. And she, oh, and Carter's head is at the bottom of the pool, and she's like climbing up the stairs. And you know, when you're reading it assuming that there's actually a monster running around and it's not just Alex fucking killing everyone. And she's like swimming up because she's fallen in and she swims over to the stairs and she's like pulling herself out of the water and then her foot slips on Carter's 
Oh. And then she goes falling, and then Reagan finds out what she's stepped on, and he starts vomiting like, everywhere. Yes, and yes. Jax and Jax is being just, all weird and just edging away from everything. Yes. And finds his body, like, propped up over in the corner without a that head. The image of that headless body just propped over in the corner, just it just tickles me. It yeah. really tickles me. Yeah. <sighs> I also I really liked that scene because it reminded me of Clown in a Cornfield too. <laughs> there was also an indoor pool and you know murder scenes, but that's what it that's what it reminded me yes, of. It did. Like that's the same. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. There were no heads in that pool though. That Just a real off. bad smell. Yes. There was some funky smells in that house. I just ew. Let's yeah. Look. Yeah. So, you also loved the yes. The those those were my absolute favorites. I absolutely adored those too. They were fantastic. Um, I kept waiting for because Hazel was like one of the last ones as well. I spent ages waiting for her to die, and then it was this slapstick fight scene in the courtyard where she falls into the well, and the Vlad statue lands on Raoul and you're like wah, wah. and she's like going whoa, 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 on the edge of the well and, <laughs> then, and then she's still <laughs> conscious underneath I do feel sorry for Hazel because yeah. it wasn't a quick death it was no. very painful but I don't understand how she worked out because obviously it's not Alex hasn't explained it very well how Hazel worked out that Alex was behind it all. I don't know. Because it just seemed to be the walking to the satellite and she's like running things through our brain and it's established that Hazel is the smartest and most organised. Her parents are, at least one of them's um, FBI agents. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, she knows how to think logically about these things. But then... She suddenly starts lagging behind. It's like, yes, I'm going to pull out this vodka bowl to protect myself because you're a murderer. I'm out of here. Yeah. How did she work that out? I don't know. Unless it was the GoFundMe money and the fact that the only person who probably would have stole it was Regan and he would have stolen yeah. it for her. Yeah. And had she seen security footage at that time? Uh, or no I don't we don't I don't know I can't remember if it's actually stated that she sees the security footage it's only that Regan sees the security footage because yeah but Hazel was Hazel was in that room doing stuff so quite possibly but I think I don't know I don't know I I don't it's hard to say it's all lies it is it's all lies we don't know what's going on why the hell would you set fire to the players to stop someone from following you obviously it's alex's fabrication to hide the fact that her dna and all the evidence of her murders are everywhere yeah burn the players down get rid of the evidence i'm fine with this but what freaking logic if it was true we don't want this guy following us. So instead of just barring the way, let's set fire to the place. Yes, set the room on fire because that's the only entrance into the tunnels, of course. It's and so just set the room on fire and it'll be fine. Stupid logic. Yeah, it's terrible. But it's all lies, so it doesn't matter. All lies all the time. 
All lies, all the time, and no vampires. And no sucky sucky. <laughs> this vampire is just not the version. Not, not the blood-sucking kind. Just the horrible, emotionally draining nightmares of human beings vampires. Yeah. No, see, I need, I need the, I need the bloody vampires. I need a fictional vampire, not a real life vampire. Just think about some fictional vampires. The start, mm. Dracula, mm. Damien, Edward, mm. Adrian, <laughs> Adrian. There we go. We brought her back to life. There's my vampire. There he is. <laughs> oh. Did you have a favourite character then? Well, Evil Alex, obviously. No, no, I Evil Alex. The last couple of entries where Alex is just... Herself. Awful. Yes, that is what I love the most. Yeah, I think it's the only honest character at that point isn't yeah. it i did like hazel i did like her yes. logic i liked hazel yes. but no i think you're right with evil alex really yeah <laughs> 20 pages of actual real genuine character is the best yes because otherwise lies lies and lies um i also i also appreciated catronelle bloom because she she's this yes she can find a light but I appreciate the fact that, I mean, I almost kind of feel like she's pulling the strings a little bit behind Alex. She's... You don't know what's happened since Halloween. Yeah. But you know why? Because it's all lies. All lies all the time. All lies all the time. <laughs> so they could be in cahoots. I love the word cahoots. Or she's murdered. Somewhere. No, I don't think she's been murdered because I think she's the one who's give. She's helped hide the evidence. Oh yeah, she's the one who's like, here's a list of people you can bribe to get into the future. Yeah, see, so send me a script. I'll do it for you. She's yeah, she's a mentor. Yeah, I feel like I feel like she's she's a mentor to murder. She is. I feel like she's at least thirty seven percent responsible for what happened in this book 37 percent responsibility that was an arbitrary number all percentages when they're defined in that manner are arbitrary i thought you were gonna say all percentages all the time all percentage all the time (laughs) Hmm. do you know what i think we should play would you rather i think we should too if we take any longer, blood is going to go more than just my face and my hands. I know. I'm surprised these corpses have lasted for so long. I feel reanimated. <laughs> Wait, we're not talking zombies in this one. Not We've that- already talked about Kelly's zombie book in the past tense. But I can smell fish. I love zombies, though. I'm always happy to talk about zombies. Like, I could talk about zombies for hours and hours. So, Excellent. Well, we'll Excellent. get to that after the Would yeah. You Rather, because it's going to happen. Yes, it's okay. going to happen. But right now, it's time for Would You Rather. And... Would You Rather is extra special fantastic today because we are joined by the author. Mm-hmm. Yay! Mm-hmm. 
witch hat. And your witch hat. <laughs> Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us today. So excited. So Yay. excited. Right, I'm just going to dive straight into the Would You Rather's because I feel like we're going to keep you for a long time. So Let's we asked on social media, would you rather star in a horror movie? as Amanda is today, or would you like to write slash direct a horror movie, as I have failed to today? <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, 60% said write or direct. On Instagram, it was 67% for write or direct. On Twitter, 89% said they would write or direct. But on TikTok, which comes as no surprise to anybody, 83% are storing in horror movies. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll go through some quick comments as well, just to give you some idea of the flavour of Would You Rather responses that we like. Colin on Facebook, he said, I'd have to star. I'm too fucking fabulous to be behind the camera. Because the star always gets the groupies, which, let's be fair, is why all the big actors do it. I mean, every time you see Tom Hanks, he's just dripping in pussy. Okay, look, that comment... That makes they really me went one of there. Like they just took it to the next level for oh, sure. That's, that's an average comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do some non super over the top responses. Constance on Facebook says, I love being behind the scenes when it comes to movies or plays. I have a great recipe for fake blood that tastes like chocolate. Oh, we need me to get too. that. Me too, Constance. Ooh, Constance yeah. She's old baker friend. She knows all the secrets. She yeah. knows. But then, like, what, you just go around licking your blood all the time and just being like... Yeah. Well, going back to the, the sub comment you did, they had, like, a, a blood licking party, which sounds really disgusting, but mm-hmm. it was just after the theatre show and they had lots of excess baker blood. It's fine. Really it's now. reasonable. Brie on Facebook said, I'd rather play a puppet master with everyone and their lines. I would create the next cheesy cult classic, but, the, like, the classy kind, no... Birdemics? I've never heard of that. Birdemics, like a pandemic with birds. Oh no! Oh no! We know we know class feelings on birds. Fake blood and gore will fly everywhere. Mystery science theater three thousand is what those letters are, Claire. Yes, I'm squinting. (laughs) I'm squinting. (laughs) We'll make fun of it for years. Brie, you don't need mystery science theater three thousand to do that. You've got fictional hangover three thousand. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Um, Annie on Facebook wants to star because directing actors sounds like trying to herd cats. Probably true. Probably true. We did have some comments from your library as well, Amanda. We did. Um, One of them wants to star and they say, put me in a Stephen King or Rob Zombie movie, please. They are my favorite movie makers and I would love to work alongside Rob and Moon Zombie. Nice. Yeah, put me in a Rob Zombie movie too. I'm here for that. Yeah. Is there a new one coming out? Or came yeah, out? I think so, right? Like, it's coming out pretty soon? I think so. I think yeah. so. I feel like I saw a trailer. Yeah. One of the last horror movies that I went to. Mm. Mm. I like the uh, the comment. More. This sounds awful. More for the penmanship than anything else that you sent through. It came <laughs> from the library. Cue screaming. Yeah. Ah! yeah. Perfect. <laughs> There's another one, um, and we I know who wrote this one. It's they they want to write a horror movie, and they have ideas for a few. We have sat at the circulation desk. 
like making terrible ideas for movies. I'm pretty sure the last one had something to do with a lawnmower. No, 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 it wasn't a lawnmower. It was um, um, a Roomba, a vacuum cleaner that <laughs> that is murderous. So well, the lawnmower already was a horror movie. Do you guys remember from like the '90s, Lawnmower Man? That yes. Was yeah, yes, so. that was the inspiration for the uh, for the Roombas. <laughs> so, My favorite yeah. random one is the tire. The murderous tire. Yes, it's called Rubber, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So you funny. haven't seen that one, Kelly? No, I need to get on that. You rubber. Do. It uh-huh. is just—it's proper B movie horror fantasticness. It's yeah. better than it should has any right to be. It is literally a murderous tire. It is. <laughs> oh, I feel like we need to check why we're why we're just talking movies. Have you seen The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox? No. Oh my god. Amanda, why do we talk to these people? No offense. I don't know. <laughs> our our author to... last week, yeah. Amy McCaw, had not watched it or heard of it either. No, I got it. I mean, like, this is new and different. Oh, my 1996, gosh. Michael J. Fox movie written and directed by Peter Jackson called Frighteners. Oh, my gosh. Who knew? I didn't know that. Us. Starring, I mean, um, us. who is it? But you guys Jake Busey? You can't really yes. judge it by that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so so you're are you starring in a movie is that what you said just a moment ago you're gonna star in a horror oh, goodness movie? no i'm directing no? it for sure okay. i just feel a lot better when terrifying things are happening to other people so yeah <laughs> um all i want ever in my life is to star in a horror movie and i'm so excited that i get to be a scare actor in the haunted house coming up soon oh that's it's, gonna be fun it's gonna be great if I'm not covered in blood head to toe every night, then I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> you are. You really, really are. I yeah, mean, to be fair, to... even if you're just working the ticket booth, you're going to cover yourself in blood. You know, if I'm just, if I'm just there, I just outside, I'm not even involved in it, but I'm just covered in blood. That's, <laughs> Do it that's, for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's me all the time. It's just a regular, like, Tuesday. Oh, Amanda's covered in blood again. No one is surprised. Why? (laughs) No one is surprised. I love it. I love it. Claire, what are you doing? Struggling with this one because, like, I've done you know murder mystery things where you go and you know obviously solve the murder and yeah. When we were there, like me and my group got mistaken for being actors because we joined in so much, and then we actually were asked, "Do you want to join the troupe?" But we couldn't get there. It was based in Whitby. Oh. Um, we couldn't get there all the time. It was too, it was like two hour drive. Um, and I am a bit of a driver queen, apparently, according to the child. And I am a bit over the top again, according to the child. But I'd love to write and direct. So Whitby, that's like the town where Bram Stoker went to like investigate Dracula, right? Like that's kind well, of like the little fictionalized that's, that's, town. That... Whitby is where Dracula landed. Right, right. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's where Dracula... And there is no grave in Whitby, before anybody asks, for Dracula. There are literal signs around the town. Really, there's no... Why would anyone think that there would be? Because Because people are morons. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody had to post a sign, there's no Dracula's grave here. Yeah. Nice, okay. (laughs) I think somebody needs to just make one. (laughs) Well, it's tempting. You could do it as a tourist attraction. They do do vampire yeah. balls and stuff on Whitby. Fun times. Oh, that would be so great. Of course it would. 
I know. All right. Let's move on to our next question. Would you rather kill for a movie deal or kill for half a million dollars? Either way, you're a murderer. Yeah, right. A murderer. Well, for me personally, I would definitely rather kill for a movie deal. I just feel like that's the gift that keeps on giving, especially for writers. Um, because if the movie gets any recognition at all, you it's like a commercial that plays on and on for your books and for your work. And you can sell more books and publish more stuff once you've got a movie deal. I think that's why authors are so into getting them. It's not necessarily that people make lots of money off of them. It's just that it's like a big commercial for your books. So, yeah, I, I'm kill for the movie deal. Yeah. I think more and more now movies are being, you know, I it used to be if a certain actor was in a movie, that would be the driving force. But now mm-hmm. it's directors and producers and writers. It's the people behind the scenes. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of like A-list celebrities anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I like Tom I... Cruise is like the biggest one I can think of. Ooh. He he wouldn't he doesn't do TV. He makes a movie. That movie is going to get people through the door. Right. Yeah, but it, like at the same time, I will see anything made by Jordan Peele if his name is attached to it. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Or uh, like like Bloomhouse, all of their movies. I'm there. Yeah, it doesn't that, matter if, if Sam Rockwell's name is attached to anything. I will go and see that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I'm answering this question, I am going to also go for a movie deal because like you can, it's a gift that keeps on giving. You can just, you can just keep making movies and everyone's going to come and see it. But you know, once the money's gone, it's gone. Yeah, you're going to have to kill someone some else. Investments. Yeah. But half a million dollars is not that, I mean, it's a lot of money, of course, but it's not like. It's more yeah, than the you're... pound at the moment. Political <laughs> 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 satire. I don't know that like you're going to be able to just like live happily ever after with only a happy a half a million dollars, you know, like in with inflation. Like probably like eggs are going to cost half a million dollars in in three weeks. <laughs> probably you're probably right. It's just not enough. I'm living through Brexit. It's already there. <laughs> so I'm going movie deal because at least the way I see it is, if you get a sweet ass movie deal. You're getting a wage from it, but then conventions. Mm, oh yeah, you can live the convention scene based on one cult <laughs> classic movie. You could you, that is it's sweet, sweet. It's not a lot, but you can do it. You can sell your own stuff while you're there, charge for your art, autographs, you meet and greets, and you can just work the convention scene. And then you can even do like you know the 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 people can you bid on the Zoom things, and you can get a personalized Zoom call off people. Yeah cult classic amazing. yeah you're right yeah you're and i guess if you do right. something really interesting in your in the movie or there's something really interesting maybe you could even do like cameo you know and just charge people twenty dollars to say happy birthday or, or something like that you, you can bruce campbell the shit out of a single movie deal just look i mean he he, he you know he's bffs with sam raimi so it's gonna work for him and he's always gonna get the cameo mm-hmm. but it's kind of like it's like friend of Sam Raimi, you know Bruce Campbell's going to be in. You see a movie with certain act, like uh, certain directors. If James Gunn is one of them, if you're friends with James Gunn, like Nathan Fillion, you're going to just end up being in the movie in somewhere, someplace. Yeah, you know, you and then just work the convention scene. He never had to work after Firefly, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, but he still does, and he's precious. 
handsome. <laughs> he can be in my movie. That'd be fine. Yeah. That's all we need. Did you ever see Slither with him? The horror movie. No. No, oh, I haven't God. seen that. It's... it's it it's a, it is a James Gunn movie and it's like the first big budgeted movie you ever made and it's a horror movie. And it's made of snakes. Yeah. Oh, ooh, yeah. Whenever That's I like... get really hungry, well, hungry, and I go, I'm so hungry, it's because I'm recreating the scene with each other. <laughs> it's really fun. We're giving you homework, Kelly. You know, you're yeah, Frankness and Slither. We, like we are going to make your this. October full of good horror movies. Oh, we are. Yeah, I appreciate this. Always looking for more. Yeah. <laughs> Next did you question. Ma- did you mention Sorry? Rubber again? Rubber and Rubber. The Frighteners oh. and Slither. And <laughs> I know. I have three movies now. At least. You need to just start a tally because by the end of our time together, you're going to have a list. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm making the, the list is going to be in the intro. <laughs> These movies you must watch. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you've got your movie deal. You've got your sweet ass movie deal. You killed many people to get this sweet ass movie deal. You I thought I just had to kill one. That was the original question. If I have to kill many people, I want a big movie deal. I mean, like you're talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm only killing one person for a movie. If if, if I have to kill many ratio. people, I want like Lord of the Rings style movie. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going for Oscars as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll kill one person for a regular ordinary movie, and I will. I, but I will only kill many people for a big blockbuster movie. Okay, so you've killed one person for that sweet ass movie yeah. deal. You are writing it. You are directing it. But are you going to make that movie at Castle Prohova or on Mummy Mountain? Yeah. So I, I thought this question was kind of hard because it really depends on the kind of movie, you know, um, in Arizona, mummy mountain is where the richest people live. So like Alice Cooper, for instance, lives on mummy mountain. So it's like, when you go there, it's almost creepy because it's like all these gated houses and they've got dozens of cameras pointed out everywhere. And if you even linger in the street, somebody comes out and they're like, what are, what are you doing here? So like, I if it's like an eat the rich kind of movie, I would make it on Mummy Mountain. But if it's like a straight up like scary horror kind of thing, I do it at Castle Prohova. It just I think it depends on like the tone and like what what the movie is saying. Hmm. I feel like right now it needs to be a horror movie because well, yeah. you know it's October. Yeah. So then I'd do it in the castle. I feel like I would want to go to the castle too. Yeah, let's all go to the castle. We're all going. Yes. I want to go to the castle, but I would love to do a found footage horror movie on Mummy Mountain. Mm. Yeah. That could yeah. be great. I mean, you could almost film it with all the people's little cameras that they've got pointed everywhere, which I think would kind of be like really, in- really interesting. Just like all these cuts from these various ca- house cameras that people yes. have got pointed all over the place. It's called Ring. It's called Ring, but it's the Ring. Right, Ring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by. Which is what I thought was going to happen in the book, that eventually Alex was going to make a found footage movie from Castle Prohova and it was going to be all the security camera footage from around the castle. Cleverly edited together. Oh, yeah. So they didn't realise the true whodunit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I was like, oh, it didn't. Damn it. (laughs) That's the next one. 
That's the sequel. <laughs> yeah, no, that'll be the sequel. The sequel will be like all the movie footage that she stole. <laughs> uh, that, that's her um, university, her college thesis. That's what she puts together, that movie. Right. So great. We definitely need to go hunt me, you know, part two. <laughs> I would need love it. to write one. I'm dying to write one. <laughs> we need it. We're here for it. Definitely. We'll we'll buy the first copies. Oh, thank you. Well, then at least I would sell two. That'd be good. Yes. Hey, <laughs> it's perfect. You know, and we've got a pretty we've got a pretty good following of people that will buy the books that we talk about. So, you know, there's like at least yeah. six or eight that you that you sold. You are lovely. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, and then there's we my do library use as well. Don't forget. That's true. So we do. Buy it, they do we, ha- we do have a, a good amount of people who do borrow. I know that's true. It's wonderful when people get books from the library. I love it. It's like it's lovely when people post the pictures too, because you get to see the library binding and it looks so nice. And it's just like, oh, I've got a fancy book in the library that's covered in fancy plastic. <laughs> and there's so many stickers all over the spine, and I the know, barcode right? is probably covering up something important on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like my name or something? No, just kidding. <laughs> this is by Kelly D. What? Kelly D. Kelly D. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, what a bit night you said. It's Kelly D in the house. Kelly D. Oh, that makes me happy. Okay, next question. This is a long one. Would you rather be part of a Hollywood power couple, which will guarantee you the privilege of picking whatever project you want to do, but you don't get all the glory and recognition, or are you going to go it alone? You'll be on the indie scene for a long time, but you have your integrity and your vision. <laughs> yeah, like what integrity? <laughs> Just um, no, I'm totally doing the power couple. As long as I don't have to get stuck with one of those terrible couple names, you know, like Brangelina or whatever. Ooh, I yeah. do not want that. But I want to be in a power couple because I just feel like on a basic level, it's just more fun to have somebody with you doing things, you know, like just have a partner in crime, so to speak. Yeah. Can I have a power couple where I'm not romantically involved with the other person? Aren't you already in a power couple, like the two of you guys? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, we're not romantic. <laughs> you already involved. have that. Yeah. We're a, I mean, we're no a problem. Mission non-sexual power couple. Ooh, yes. Check. Done. Dunsey. <laughs> oh, but now we need a name. I know. What's your little couple name going to be? Our, yeah. Oh, we'll have to... have to mash them together again. I'm okay, already in one. My friends call us um, Clairol because we're worth it. Oh, yeah, fun. that's good. That's okay, really so you great. have a couple name too. Everything is coming together. It's coming up roses over here. <laughs> we, we, we need, we, we'll, 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 uh, we'll comment that one, I think. Yeah, you can, yeah. I will power couple it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to be in a power couple too, but yeah. I mean, that's just the way to go. It's where the money is. Especially, okay. especially if it's a mashup of, of me and you, Claire. Definitely. It's where the gore is. It is. It's all blood all the time. You did teach me how to do this. I had too I much fun. I did. I, I virtually so- taught you how to make your head wounds. 
I have so many head wounds now. Like, we just, I, I did not stop. I'm proud of you. Thank I'm you. Really yeah. Next and last, would you rather? Would you rather hammer someone? It, it hurts, by the way. Just as you know. Bad, yeah, I can imagine. Sword someone or push someone down the stairs? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going with push someone down the stairs. And I just feel like it's way more flexible. Like you could say it was an accident. You could deny it. You could say they fell. You could buy a lot of time just making up excuses why this person went tumbling down the stairs. So that's kind of like what I would I would go with. That's true. Because even if they felt the push, you could say, well, I, I've tripped and I couldn't I put my hands out to save myself. Right. And accidentally, you went flying down 10 flights of stone steps and are now dead at the bottom. Right. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, like if you hammer somebody, you got to come up with an explanation for why you did that. And <laughs> you're probably going to get caught. So you can blame it on the Dracula mask. I know, right? Right? It wasn't me. Book and it'll just explain all all about how to get out of it. <laughs> yes. I mean, Alex, she's got it going, so it'll be perfect. My home girl. <laughs> yeah, I feel oh. like, I mean, that's probably the one that you'll be able to get away with pushing someone down the stairs yeah that's what i think and i think it would be a long time before they'd be able to like establish one way or the other you know like they would have to do all this forensic investigation and so i feel like i just feel like you'd buy a lot of time to get away or do whatever you wanted yeah yeah you've got to you've got to make sure that if you use the hammer or the sword that they are dead yeah and everyone around you is dead right there's no and witnesses. And you get rid of your clothes and you burn everything. Yeah, so it's a big procedure. <laughs> At least if it's a head wound, though, like if it's a strong enough head wound, you have short-term amnesia, so you can't actually remember seconds beforehand. So there's plausible deniability over you being the one that hammered them. Mm. Especially now- if you're in the, the, the Dracula mask and hood. We're plotting murder here. We might yeah, be plotting murder. And we are you know, for reasons. The two hangover and Kelly DeVos are not plotting murder, planning murder, or in any way going to carry out any of the acts that we are I, currently discussing. I, know, right? I feel like we cannot actually do any of these things because we'll be immediate suspects. It's like that woman that wrote that book about murdering her husband and then did murder her husband. And then the they were like, and here's the evidence. You know, this would be the evidence. So no hammers, no swords, no pushing anyone down the stairs. Like, we've right. just got to have a pact right now. Yeah, you. <laughs> we'll have to figure out another way to murder I someone. I know, right? Another way that we're not going to discuss right now while this is being recorded. Correct. So let's press pause, and I'll tell you what I discussed with my nurse friend. Uh, she says yes. it's a very good way to get rid of murder. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so that's the end of would you rather and of not plotting murder right that's the end of all the murder plots kelly devos is lovely i know and i love a casual witch hat such (laughs) i love that you couldn't always see it (laughs) and i love that she was you know at a castle flying in the air yeah on her broomstick yes it was good stuff. So fun. everyone needs to go and check out the bonus episode. Yes. Because it's good. And I hope that 
we get some more fantastic stuff from her in the future, which we will. And then we're just going to keep dragging her back over and over and over again. Kicking and screaming and still wearing a fantastic headwear. Yep. Yep. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're on Fictional Hangover Mm. once. Didn't creepy fangirl. I know. I was really proud of you. I was really proud of you. And I'm not sorry that I revealed that you have a non-sexual crush on her. It's fine. (laughs) It's better that it's out in the open and that everybody knows where they stand. That's true. I mean, right now with this, you know, wounds and blood. I know. I know. I'm so attractive right now. You really are. You're gorgeous. (laughs) Okay. Um, what? Favorite final thought quote? Uh, I'm going to give you a looking at four. We're looking at four. Okay. Okay. I like this one just because I like the insult. It was kind of sweet, but it was also kind of uh, basic. <laughs> basic. I love calling people a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one about Regan. Oh, bless. He could totally forget that our lives were in mortal peril and spend an hour talking about the history of Atari or something. We all have that special <laughs> subject in our life where we would forget yeah. about mortal peril and just talk about that yes. instead. Yes. And I'll give you a couple of serious ones. They'd rather okay. that we hide our unlikable ambitions behind pleasant faces and friendly smiles. Ah. <laughs> this world acts like it's a sickness or weakness for us to want to decide for ourselves what we want. I I, mm. I appreciated the, mm. the the empowerment messages in the book. Yes, yes. What have you got? Well, I've realised <laughs> that almost all of the ones that I have chosen to share are about monsters. Sure. So that's I know, I know. <laughs> I'm hoping you've got one that I read it and I was like, shit, it's Amanda. <laughs> I do have one that's not monsters. It doesn't say the word monster, so I'm hoping that's the one you're talking about. So anyway, if I am a monster, I am my own monster. My story will become the truth. My story is the truth. That one was so good. Everywhere there are monsters. Maybe even inside of me. (laughs) What if the real monsters in this world are not hiding underneath our beds? What if they're out there in plain sight? And then... My last one that doesn't have anything to do with monsters. I'm so cold. So almost dead inside. Yes! Was yeah, that the one? That was the one. <laughs> dead inside. That was the one I read it and went, Being oh my god, inside. it's Amanda. <laughs> Being dead inside. I'm so glad you picked that one out. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, delicious. I love it. I love it mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> All right. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I am going to suggest a book that has literally just come out. Um... Kat Ellis was on Twitter saying you need to read this. I agree. Yes, yes. I saw this Amy like pop up on Twitter literally today. Yes, in the core, Dawn Kurtigich 
Honestly, all the people who I trust with my uh, recommended, give me recommendations of recommenders. And I am, um, we need to read this because it sounds freaking amazing. Now, it doesn't have vampires. I'm sorry. It's not all vampires all the time. But I'm going to give you okay. another traditional, wonderful monster that we adore and love. Yes. Oh. And I'm even going to give you the quote oh. from the summary because it's freaking amazing and it's this one this one line will sell it so it's the yes. book's called big bad me by ashlyn or lachlan and the quote is from the beginning i've got two claws katie two giant evil freaking freddy krueger monster things and i am not calm sold yes. sold sold done 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 i'm going to give you the rest of the summary done. just for completeness Sure, Evie sure. Wilder is living a very normal life, except for the fact that her mum has gone missing. She's just found out she's a werewolf. She has she and her sister have to go into hiding from supernatural beings, and there's not a single helpful vampire slayer to be found. With the help of Kevin, the dorky hot teenage manager of the guest house where Evie and Kate go to lie low, Evie begins to learn to harness her wolfish abilities. But there's something a bit odd about Kevin that Evie can't quite put her finger on. Meanwhile, reports of animal attacks are increasing, local teenagers have started to go missing, and Evie is about to find herself at the centre of a supernatural showdown. Go and check it out. It looks absolutely amazing, and the cover art is beautiful. Yes. So we we need to look at getting this on our way. Schedule. Are we going to have to create a werewolf's month? I think we do. I mean, we've done it for for vamps. It would be only fair to do it for werewolves, considering what other plans we have for our vampire book club. Right, right, yeah. I'm going to call it Howling at the Moon. Perfect. Now, um, if everyone is not aware, next year has approximately 27 months. At least. (laughs) Some two weeks. 27 months. Yes. I can't count. can't read, apparently, are you? Fine. What's your recommendation? Okay. My recommendation has some tenuous links. Love it. Because we love a tenuous link. And also, it's written by friend of the show... Lori Stillars. Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah. This one's called Project 17. And it sounds so good, and I desperately want to read it. I'll, I'll just get next year's schedule open. I know. High atop Hathorne Hill near Boston sits Danvers State Hospital. Built in 1878 and closed in 1992, this abandoned mental institution is rumored to be the birthplace of the lobotomy. Locals have long believed the place to be haunted. They tell stories about the unmarked graves in the back, of the cold spots felt throughout the underground tunnels, and of the treasures found inside. Patients' personal items like journals, hair combs, and bars of soap— or even their old medical records, left behind by the state for trespassers to view. On the eve of the hospital's demolition, six 
teens break in to spend the night and film a movie about their adventures. Nice. For Derek, it's an opportunity to win a filmmaking contest and save himself from a future of flipping burgers at his parents' diner. For the others, it's a chance to be on TV or a night with no parents. But what starts as a playful dare quickly escalates into a frenzy of nightmarish action. Behind the crumbling walls, down every dark passageway, and in each deserted room, they will unravel the mysteries of those who once lived there, and the spirits who still might. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Doesn't it sound so good? It is on our list for next year. So good. Love it. Love it. So <sighs> can we? Can we have... An indie spotlight? Is, uh, is there a suitable one or a tenuous link? There is. There is. Now, unfortunately, this is our new and indie spotlight segment. Um, this one's not new. It came out in 2021. But it does have some tenuous links. Shall we just change this to the tenuous link spotlight? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. So there are some tenuous links, um, and also, but but not not one hundred percent tenuously linked to this book by Kelly DeVos. Perhaps another one that we talked about on the podcast by Kelly DeVos. Ooh. So this one is called "All the Tommies in the World" by Javier Gumbinsky. For horror YouTubers, Lilith and Nate, that's really, that's it. They're horror. They're horror. End of sentence. End of summary. YouTubers, yes. (laughs) For horror YouTubers, Lilith and Nate, zombie movies are escapist fantasies. So, when a real zombie uprising in the streets of New Southport is quickly thwarted, they know those familiar-looking ghouls are hiding something. They should know. Born with a weak heart in the funeral town of Leda Ranch, built around the largest cemetery in the world, Lilith's parents raised her with zombie stories to keep her from learning the truth about what happens inside the cemetery walls. As for Nathan, the caretaker's son, he has his reasons to be so cowardly. So, when they get outsmarted by seemingly droning ghouls and are forced to split up, the uncanny coincidences are undeniable. And as things start to look more and more like Lilith's apocalyptic visions, and as a darker threat lurks, it'll be up to them to piece the puzzle before everyone they love faces a fate worse than becoming a zombie. Can they be stopped? Are they just playing dead? Do they have a plan? They know something we don't. And whatever it is, they hate us for it. it smells fishy. It does. Ah, oh, zombie reference. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. So that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Waistcoats and Weaponry, Finishing School Book the Third by Gail Carriger.
Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise, and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.